and it just takes you back to a different place in time, right? You hear something, and, and it just kind of gets stuck with you, and you hear it, and it just continues to, to kind of just uh, take you further and further to another place. Well, uh, when we were singing that song together, I couldn't help but go back to college. Uh, a friend of mine, Brian Hufalar, is here. He's the father of Matthew Hufalar, by the way, who's been one of our interns this summer. Also, Mary Denley has been an intern. This is their last Sunday with us, guys. Last Sunday. Let's get, say thank you to Matthew and to... Mary, oh, they've done a great job. There's a lot of stuff going on still today with our youth, and that's going to be awesome. But I go back to college when I hear that song because that became known kind of as the camp song. Uh, that was kind of how it was uh, talked about because uh, we learned that at retreat. So that was the retreat camp song. That's what it was. And so you hear those things, and you just go back to another time, another place, or maybe you Maybe you hear a podcast and there's something that's said in that podcast and then you just begin to repeat it over and over again to yourself. And so it might be days later, but you're still saying the same thing to yourself or you're still singing that same song over and over. These are known as earworms. I know, crazy name, right? But they're called earworms and they get into your head and you just can't seem to shake them. Now, I'm going to prove to you that this is true, okay? I'm going to prove to you that this is the case. Just watch. Phenomena. 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 You're welcome, because now for the rest of this lesson, and even into lunch later, you're going to be lying in bed tonight, and all of a sudden you're just going to start going, Phenomena. It's called involuntary cognition. When cues that we encounter in everyday life, they invoke a collection of, of just past events without even consciously thinking about it. It's a song that just pops up into your head or a smell that takes you back to childhood. It's, it's one word. It's one sound. It's one sensory experience. Do, 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 do. Ba-na-ba-na. And some of you, you've gone back into your childhood already just from watching that particular video. Well, there's an old allegory that has stuck with me through the years that, that I probably heard maybe 40 years ago. And so when I was thinking this week about how to begin a series that that we are calling the power of one, well, my mind involuntarily took me back to a story that was adapted from Lauren Eastley's The Star Thrower. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to walk along the ocean and find a spot to do his writing. He had this habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work, and early one morning, he was walking along the shore just after a large storm had passed the night before. And he noticed that there on the seashore were all of these starfish that had been washed up, unable to get back out into the ocean. As far as he could see in both directions, there were starfish on the shore. 
But off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy. And as he began to continue his walk, he got closer to the young boy. And ever so often, he would notice the young boy would lean down, he would pick up something, and then he would throw that object back into the sea. As the boy came closer still, the man called out finally, Good morning! What is it that you're doing there, young boy? The boy paused, he looked up, and he replied, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide was, has washed them up onto the beach. They cannot return to the sea by themselves. And when the sun gets high, it's going to bake these starfish. They will die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man smiled for a moment and then replied, But son, there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you won't really be able to make much of a difference. The boy bent down, picked up another starfish. He threw it as far as he could into the ocean, and then he turned and he smiled at the old man, and he said, but it made a difference to that one. I don't know of anyone who doesn't deep down desire to make a difference in their space. In this space that we call our life, the goals vary, and and I know that they're specific to each individual, but I believe that God has placed within each of us a longing to do something that is relevant with our lives. To impress, it would be his fingerprints on the world. And throughout time in Scripture, individual men and women have been called or used by God to create positive change in their space and in their time. It's the power, I believe, of one. He called one man Noah to rescue his creation. One woman, Esther, to rescue a nation. In more recent history, we know the names of individuals like Harriet Tubman and Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Clara Barton, Rosa Parks. Individuals who, seeing massive injustices and massive need, chose to make a difference in the life of the one in order to make a difference in the lives of the many. It's the power of one. It's the reminder that we all have the opportunity to do the will of heaven right here on earth. But if you're like me, what you end up thinking is, well, how much difference can I really make? I mean, after all, I, I'm only one. And we look around and we see all the different social problems that impact our cities and our neighborhoods, and we wonder, well, what can I actually do about it? I mean, it's just, it's just me. Let me share another earworm that has stuck with me through the years. I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by God's grace, I will do. I think we all often, I think we fail to act because we see the challenges before us as just being overwhelming. We just see the things that are going on around us or, or, or things that just, that just touch us to our very core. And it's like, but, but it's just so overwhelming that, that the damage that's being done or the pain that's being experienced or, or the loss that is being felt but a good way, I think, to counter that is to break the big challenge down into smaller pieces and then take them one at a time, one starfish at a time. And to that one starfish, 
That makes a world of difference, doesn't it? If you're the starfish. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. That's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on a few of our ministries here at EB that are breaking down big challenges into smaller pieces and making a difference one meal or, or one room, one lesson, one prayer, one conversation, one starfish at a time. It's the power of one. And we're going to kick things off by looking at the one miracle of Jesus that's included in, in all four Gospels. It's the only one. The, the, the only one that all four Gospel writers included and said, I want to make sure that everybody, everybody hears this story. It's a description of Jesus feeding what scholars estimate to be at least 15,000 people. Now, because the biblical writers only reference the amount of men who were present, uh, because, by the way, Jewish men would eat separately from the women and, and children. We commonly refer to this miracle as the feeding of the 5,000. But I want you to understand that when John tells us in John chapter 6 that a huge crowd kept following Jesus wherever he went because of the miraculous things that he was doing, we're talking about the population of East Brainerd rolling up onto the banks of Galilee. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. And we're talking about this population of humanity coming up, and they were hungry. The disciples sensed that things were about to get out of hand, and so here's what they did. They urged Jesus to send the people away so that they could go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. Now, it sounds very sensible, right? The people need to leave before it gets dark. I mean, it's getting late. Sun's about to set. They're out away from town, let's go ahead, Jesus, and let's send, them, let's send them on their way so they don't get lost, so they're able to get there before it gets dark. They need to be able to go and find food. Let's let the people fend for themselves. After all, it was their choice to tag along and follow Jesus. I mean, they made the choice to, to leave their home, to, to walk out of the cities. They made the choice to, to, to go and see what this miracle worker was going to be doing. Individual responsibility. That's the name of the game, right? But Jesus was playing by a different set of rules. And so he says to his disciples, well, how about you feed them? Yeah, there's a problem, but why don't you take care of it? And so the disciples began to count their extra change, but they came up woefully short. Philip, he says, well, look, even if we had eight months' wages, I mean, he, he's already began to work out the math in his head, we wouldn't be able to buy enough food so that everyone could have at least one bite. The consensus was the same. They looked around, they figured up what it was that they could do, they saw their limitations, they need to be able to send the people to get their own food. There's just too many mouths to feed. And I think here's where we need to be reminded that God often allows great opportunities to be brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Have you ever noticed that with God? Have you seen that that is how God works things out? That, that something that is going to be this opportunity for him to work, an opportunity for his people to engage in, an opportunity for impact, well, it appears initially as an impossible situation. So Andrew brings up this little boy who has a lunch basket containing 
five slices of bread and, and two fish. But then he sighs and says, but what good is that with this, with this huge crowd? I mean, look at all the people, Jesus. And I read this and I have to stop and think, how many times, how many times have I done nothing because I could not do a lot? How many times have I just said, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't take care of the whole thing. I, I can't fix this problem and so I'm just not going to do anything. How many times have I looked at a problem and then at my meager solution and just decided not to try? Because after all, my gift isn't going to make a difference. Everybody knows that my time isn't going to matter. I mean, my voice is not going to be heard or listened to. And what about our church? Guys, have we ever been guilty as a, as a whole of limiting our impact in this community because we looked at our bread and we looked at our fish and said, well, what good is that going to do? I mean, really, what good is it going to do? Do you think that just maybe Jesus was hoping someone would stop measuring the problem and instead start considering the possibilities? That someone would have gone, all right, let's kind of take stock here. What do we got? We got... We got, we got five loaves of bread, we got two fish, and we got Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we got it. It's good. We got bread, we got fish, we got Jesus. Line them up. Line them up. Here we go. We're going to bring them through. We're going to feed them. This is going to be great. I can't wait to see what happens. You see, standing next to the disciples was the solution to their problem, but the disciples could only see their limitations. They were so focused on what they did not have, they could not see the potential of what they did have. And I just have to ask, what about you? And what about your life? And what about your classroom? And what about your office space? And, and what about your home? And what about this church? Are you counting your problems? Or are you counting on Christ? Are you counting your problems? Or are you counting on Christ? By the way, that needs to be sent out on social media right there. Right? You want those tweetable moments? or We don't tweet anymore, we X, right? So if you want to X something, send that out. And then look at verse 11 in John chapter 6. It says, Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks to God. And I want you to notice that Jesus prayed when the disciples did not. And he gave thanks for what they had and for what God would do. And friends, I think that's a great strategy for us. Thank God for what you have and for what he will do with it. So you only have a few volunteers in your ministry. Praise God for them and for what they will accomplish. Your finances are low. I get it. But be grateful for what's in your account and the good that God can do with it. Do you feel like others are more talented than you are? Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> There are people who are more talented than you. But you be thankful for your ability and for how God is going to use it in his kingdom. Jesus gave thanks for the bread and for the fish. And then he looked at those disciples that could only see the problem. And he said, I'm going to make you part of the solution. And he began to give them the bread and he gave them the fish. And he said, now go and go and give it out and keep on giving and keep on giving. And it says that they all ate. Don't miss this part. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, we're told 
that each disciple picked up a basket of leftovers. You see, for the Jewish people, bread was something that was very special to them, and, and they would carry these little baskets with them that in case there were any scraps that were left that had fallen down from the table, they were to pick up the scraps and so nothing would be wasted. And so we find that these disciples of Jesus, they were going around with their own individual basket, and they were finding the scraps that had been left, and they were picking it up, and they were saving it as a reminder that a little can go a long way with God. It can. A little can go a long way with God. Case in point, our snack pack ministry. Miss Janice, was it about 10 years ago? Am I right on that? It was about 10 years ago that Miss Janice Robertson was made aware of a problem that was going on in our community. And uh, she became aware that there were children here in Hamilton County who were food insecure. Now, now that's just a, a fancy word to say that we had these children who were at school and their main source of, of food and their main meals were coming from the meals that they received at, at the school. And then they would go home on the weekends, but they didn't necessarily have a lot to be able to, uh, to eat. And so, Miss Janice, you found out about that, and I want to talk to you about that. If you wouldn't mind to, to come and, and join me here just for, just for a minute. And I appreciate you being willingness, your willingness to do that this morning. But Miss Janice found out um, about this and decided that, all right, something needed, to, something needed to be done. And so you started, I believe, on your dining room table, right? And you... You began to put together some, some bags of food and of non-perishable food items, and then you just went to one, one school. I think it was Red Bank High School, right? And so you gave them some food to be able to, um, to, to um, give out. Uh, that was 10 years ago. Uh, why don't you tell everybody 10 years later where things stand? How many schools now are receiving food for the weekends, and how many children are able to take that home? So as we start the 23-24 school year, we're in 22 schools, and our average per month of taking uh, school snack packs is going to be about 10,000 per month. Our budget is now $312,000. East Brainerd Church of Christ gives us $62,500. And the Board of Realtors gives us an additional $10,000. And I get to go out and try to raise $239,500. Um, for the first time ever, we had to go up this year to $100 per child. And that is only because the cost of food, and I know all of you understand that part, has gone up. So now it is costing $100 per child to provide food for 40 weeks out of the school years. So for 40 weeks, every weekend, children at 20, what, 22 schools, mm -hmm. you have these children have the opportunity then to take home a bag because yes. of that $100, $100. Now up until then, it's been, what, $80, I think is where you yes. try to, um, to keep it. Mm -hmm. But that means that we have gone from, from your, your kitchen dining room table in having a few bags there that went to, to one school, now that has grown exponentially, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
all because it was your, your passion, I'd have to say, to do something about the problem, right? Yes. And I know that it's not just your passion now, but you've been able to, to reach out and to share this with others, and you've been able to, to twist arms, and you've been able to pull people in, mm-hmm. but, but not because you said, hey, you really need to be doing this, but you've shared stories about, about the children and what's going on. So um, I, I know that you, you, you've got a couple of different stories that when you're able to uh, talk to people in situations like this that you like to share, mm-hmm. why, don't you, why don't you kind of share how these children are, um, are living from day to day? Well, and I want to go back just one second. I want you to know I could not be up here doing this without Johnny, my husband, and without Anita Kapperman, who has walked with me from the very beginning. And I want to thank both of them. Um, so that a lot of us don't understand this is not only um, an inner city problem. We have schools that are right here in our neighborhood, less than five miles from where we sit today. So it's not just an inner city problem. And some of you also may not realize that there may be a grandmother that's raising five grandchildren. Um, There may be a single mom that's raising five children. Um, And I know our teachers understand this because our teachers have been great to support us and they are actually the ones who help us find the children who do need the snack packs for the weekend. I do want to tell you two stories. Um, Justin, our son, was a principal at Red Bank High School, and as some of the seniors know, if you make good grades, you don't have to take your final exams. And he was there greeting his students one morning, and he looked up, and one of his seniors, who did not have to take his exams, pulled up in a little truck, pretty beat up, lawnmower in the back, and Justin greeted him, and he said, why are you here this morning? You don't have to take your exams. Justin said he kind of tilted his head down a little bit, and he said, Mr. Robertson, he said, is it okay if I just come in and eat? So he did not have food to eat, but he knew that if he came there, that he would have food to eat. And I want a picture to be shown on the big screen, if it can be. Um, This is one that uh, several of our principals will come and pack with us. And one night, one of our principals came and gave me this photo. And I had permission to share this photo when I go and speak from Dr. Johnson, that was the superintendent at the time. This was February the 18th, 2018. It was about 40 degrees outside. I know you probably don't remember where you are, but I know that I had been fed, and I know that I was warm, and I know that I had clothes. And this little boy was digging in the lunchroom dumpster. I want you to think about that. He was smart enough to know that there would be food in the lunchroom dumpster that he would be able to possibly dig out and take home to his family. Besides this little boy, his little brother was guarding for him so that if anybody came around, he told him to jump out of the dumpster because they didn't want to get in trouble. They were able to identify this little boy and they were able to 
work with his family. They had to be careful because they didn't want the children to be taken away from the family. But they were able to help them and get them food and help get them, um, you know, going in the right direction. This was five miles from where we sit today. This was not downtown in the inner city. It was five miles from where we sit today. And so there are stories like this that you say, well, that's kind of extreme. Well, well yeah, well, there are extreme situations that, that are around us, but there's all kinds of different varying levels of need that these children have. But the common denominator is that they are able to go to the schools, they're able to get these, the meals that are served regularly. But then, as we say, well, what happens then on the weekends? And so that is where this particular ministry is able to step in. And many of you have been involved in the past, coming on Wednesday, the first Wednesday. Normally, it's the first Wednesday. This time, it's going to be the second. It'll be, it'll be here in just a few days. Uh, but you come on that first Wednesday of the month, and you help pack up these bags, and then some of you help deliver these bags, and they go to the schools, and then on Fridays, the counselors know which children need to take these bags home with them. And, but even though that we're, we have this ministry here of, and reaching out to 22 different schools, you still have schools that call you and um, administrators that, that reach out. And so what do you do when a school calls and says, hey, we need more bags, or, or hey, can, can you add us to your list? Well, the first thing I do and the first thing Anita does is um, we call each other. And um, usually we've said yes before we actually call each other, but we plead our case with each other, and we just do it anyway. But... Um, this past week, Anita had a, or two weeks ago, had a school, and she told him yes to 50 bags. And I was like, are you sure? Yes, Janice. Well, this week I had a school call me, and they need 50 bags. Janice, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. So we just really do it. But we have had um, calls for underwear and socks needed. Um, this was from Brown Academy, and if you're not familiar with Brown Academy, it's a school that's kind of tucked away on the edge of UTC and a lot of those children are from the homeless shelters or the abusive shelters that are from our downtown area so they needed some underwear and socks for the little children um, we've had them call and ask us for uniform shirts uniform pants we don't use any of the food money for that. We will call people that we know will help us, and we'll just say, hey, we've got this call, we've got this need, and we t do it with other finances. But the food money that we get is strictly for food. And that money, that $100 a child, every time you get a phone call, hey, we need 50 bags, that's um, mm -hmm. $5,000, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's right. Did I do my math right? You're, you're close. Yeah, all right. I, was, I thought about adding, maybe saying 50,000. That's how much you need. Um, and, I, and I want to say something to the um, principals, the teachers, the guidance counselor. We've even had a couple of phone calls from um, some of the superintendents at, at a time or two. Um, you know, and we will depend upon them to tell us, is this really a need? You know, does this school need that? Right. But they're great to work with. Now, who have been some of your biggest supporters along the way these last 10 years? Okay. So, 
We could not do this without our public volunteers and without our brothers and sisters that are sitting in this room. I mean, there is no way we could do it without you. Um, we have had personal donations from individuals. Smart Bank helps us, Center for Sports Medicine, 100 plus women who care, realtors, the Shelter Church, the Silverdale Baptist, Covenant Transportation, Volkswagen, Boyd Buchanan, and even Hamilton County Schools gives back, you know, different items to us. I want to say something also. Um, one of our principals one night came up to me. We were um, trying to work out giving each of these children a Christmas bag, and we've been able to do that every year, but it's, it's costly, but we work through it. And... Um, so one of the principals came to me and he said, Miss Janice, he said, I want to say something to you. He said, what seems like a little to you is a lot to these children. So I've tried to keep that in my mind for the past 10 years. Well, I'm sure that as people are listening, and not only the ones that are here, but later people are going to be watching online, there's going to be the podcast that people are going to be listening to. How can others help? I know, of course, yes, there are, there are individual monetary donations, of course, that can be made, but uh, what are some of the needs that you have right now when it comes to volunteers? Well, we need volunteers to um, help us unpack, which we unpacked last week, and we did um, over 100,000 pieces of individually wrapped food in about three hours. And you were which, planning on, what, two days We were that, planning on two days. So you had such a good turnout, and we you were had, able to get it done we in We had a great turnout, and we did it in one afternoon. Um, so we always need um, people to help us unpack, of course, people to pack. We need drivers to drive to the school. We need financial giving. Um, I need places to go speak. I will go speak to anyone. We need younger people also. Um, I am 71 and my husband is 74 and he's about ready to divorce me over this, but um, we need younger people to step up and help. And you know, I wanna say, you don't have to be off work that day to deliver food because you can deliver food when the school's open and they open, some of them at 7 a.m. So uh, we have several people that do that. They drop the food off on their way to work. Um, I guess the most important thing for me is that I would like to ask you to pray for the ministry, to pray for the teachers, the staff, to pray especially for the children and for the guardians and parents of the children. Hold this just for a second. So Anita and I kind of make jokes just to make each other stay sane. So we have buyers. The buyer is Anita. She's the one that buys all the food. Well, we have picker-uppers. We have people that go pick up the food. We have delivery people. We have unpackers. We have packers. We have fluffers. Now, you might want to know what a fluffer is. Well, a fluffer is a bunch of our ladies from ladies' Bible classes who take these boxes of thousands of bags. Um, even Mr. Robert um, takes bags home and fluffs them at home. 
and um, it helps us a lot because if you've seen the blue bags, they tend to stick together, but they'll take them home by the box full and unfluff them. So those are our fluffers. We have stuffers because we have people that stuff our inserts in them. We have walkers who are the ones that walk to pack. We have runners, which is Anita running around the gym. Um, we have setter uppers. We have people that set up our tables. And then we have table downers because we have to take our tables down. So there is something that every one of you that are sitting here could do. And so Wednesday is going to be the first snack packing of our uh, school year. Yes. And there will be two different times, mm -hmm. 10 to 12, mm -hmm. if you're um, able to come, if, if you're off work during that time. Uh, you feel free to come during that, or there's a six to eight packing period as well. And remember, this is not just our own church family mm -hmm. here. There are people from all over the community that come, mm -hmm. and individuals that I know put it on their calendars, and they do not miss, and they make it a family event, mm -hmm. or a neighborhood event, or a, uh, a club event, youth and ministry. youth ministry event. And so, uh, if you have never been, you're going to be able to meet a lot of people, not just of our church family, but others who believe that a little goes a long way with God. And that's what Miss Janice has been able to do over these last 10 years. And I thank you so much for sharing about this. And we love you and all your helpers. Thanks. A little goes a long way, folks. It does. You simply need to give to God what you have, and then you just watch him work with it. You know, we're told there in John 6 that Jesus took the loaves. You understand he didn't have to, right? He didn't have to take the loaves. Uh, he could have just provided manna. He had done that before for people. He just provided something that did not previously, it wasn't there, and, and he fed. But, but instead he did. He, he, took what, he took what that young boy had, and he used it as the power of one. And so what's in your basket? Maybe your basket is your kitchen table that you say, you know what, I, I need to get some Baina sausages, I need to get some peanut butter crackers, and I need to put it on this table and, and, and put it in bags and then take it to the schools. That's, that's, that was, that was Miss Janice's basket 10 years ago. That's what she said. This is what I am I'm going to do. Maybe all you have is a wimpy little prayer, but you're going to pray it. Or maybe you just think you have meager skills, but you're going to, to use it. Maybe when you look at your bank account, you're like, boy, I just, I don't know, but God, whatever you want to do, you take it. God can take small things and do big things with them. And I think if he can turn a, a basket into a buffet, I think he can take our, our loaves and our fish and, and do something pretty incredible with it. Say, but God, what can you do? And and there are just so many people. There are just so many, so many starfish out there. If you don't remember anything else maybe that has been shared today, just remember this. What you do in the name of God matters. What you do matters. It's the power of one. One person. One ministry. One church. One God. Father, we thank you for the way that you pour out your blessings and the way that you strengthen your people and the way that you place your people at certain places and at certain times in order to accomplish your work. We are, 
We're thankful for the opportunities that are disguised as obstacles that, that you have placed in our way. We rejoice when we hear stories like those that have been told by, by Janice and for, for those that have been touched through this particular ministry. And we give thanks and we give praise to you because this is yours. It's not hers. It's not her volunteers. This doesn't belong to the community. This doesn't belong to this church. This belongs to you. And as testament, it has expanded in ways that could never have been thought. And who knows where it's going to go from here. Father, we ask your continued blessings on this ministry and those who are, who are working in it. And Father, for those who are volunteering, for those who are giving financially. And Father, for those children, for the families that are the beneficiaries of the grace that is being poured out. Father, keep taking those little things that we have and doing big things with them. And help us understand that it might just be one but there's power in that one. Help us be the one that you use to bring others closer to a life-restoring relationship with you. Whatever is needed, may we be willing to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to continue this month looking at different things very similar to our snack pack ministry, looking at the power of one in what one person, what one ministry, and what one church can do. And that's you. But it only happens because of a God who works through us. He is a way maker, and we're going to sing and give him praise. And if you need to respond this morning, for whatever reason, to be baptized into Christ, to just say, you know what, I need prayers to, to, to use whatever it is that I have for God, we want you to let that be known. There's a prayer room in the back if you'd like to have a time of private reflection with one of our shepherds. Whatever your need, let's stand and give thanks to the way maker.